0: Part of my desire in really even doing this show was to help people cope with whatever they were facing. We're all survivors to one degree or the other. We all have trauma, whether it's big T or little T. We're all facing the world through the lens of our own pain, fear, guilt, shame, grief. Lots of grief just flooding the world. My hope is to have a safe space to talk about other perspectives. and must have a broader conversation about things. <laughs> Hey, everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the All the Best podcast. It's my own special blend of motivation and devotion designed to help you find all the best in life. I just believe there's always a way to make your life better. I want to help you get there. Nothing's going to be off limits in this show. We're going to talk to amazing people from all kinds of backgrounds, beliefs, and points of view. We're going to be bringing you insights, advice, and inspiration to guide you into the coolest chat chapters of your life, and maybe help you actually enjoy your time here on planet Earth. So buckle up, kids. This is going to be fun. Hey, everybody, and welcome to All the Best again today. I'm so grateful that you've taken a few minutes to hang out with me and Do a little self-care because we all need it like every day, right? Well, this is the 26th and final episode for season one of the show that's releasing on the 26th of December, the day after Christmas. You know, Christmas might not be your thing, and I totally get that. So whatever you do, I hope this holiday season is warm and meaningful. Whether you go in for the traditional Christmas or not, you do you, but... I hope that you're surrounded by family and friends right now and just feel the love and support you need. As I sat down to record a show, I decided to spontaneously call upon my great friend Dr. Raymond Presson to come by the studio for an impromptu chat and he was out exercising walking walking around the park, but he gladly ditched the walk to come hang out with me and we had a great time sharing our hearts and laughing and just hitting the highlights of this show to remind us of some of the great interviews that I've done this year with people like Katie Gustafson, my Enneagram therapist friend here in Nashville. He was just doing a tremendous therapy and coaching work. Uh, Jim Trick, a motivational speaker and coach in the Northeast who struggled with morbid obesity, but overcame it twice, losing down from over 430 pounds, which is like amazing. I love that guy. We just love that episode. And uh, we also talked about hypnotist John Moyer, with whom I talked about reprogramming the subconscious mind. Uh, Paul Young, my new friend who wrote The Shack that sold over 20 million copies. I meant to ask him if he gets a, a dollar a book, but that, that would be plenty, right? Uh, But Raymond's episode, number eight in this season, is also one of my favorites, and I encourage you to go back and listen to his really poignant and impactful interview, as well as all of them. I mean, come on, it's only 25 episodes, and I, I just think there's encouragement and inspiration and even some transformational moments that can help set you up for an amazing 2023 as we launch into this new year together. Uh, Raymond is a family and marriage therapist in our area, but he's also an author and a poet. He shares one of his great poems with us, along with some wisdom and insights about what it means to launch out deeper into a creative and more beautiful experience here on earth, which is what this show is all about finding all the best in life, no matter who you are or what you believe. This, for me, is about having a broader conversation and not trying to prove anything from a religious or philosophical standpoint. I'm here to encourage you to live your best life and discover that life can be amazing one day at a time, right? So as we wrap our first season of All the Best, I invite you to check out my site at johnchisholm.com. Subscribe to my 31-day motivational email series to help make 2023 awesome and Even consider my personal empowerment coaching if you're feeling stuck or going through a transition in your life or just want to become a more creative and productive version of yourself while you're still kicking around the planet. You can read about it by clicking the work with me link at johnchism.com. I'd love to get on a quick call with you to see if coaching is your next right step to finding all the best in life. It's all built on the powerful transformation that I've experienced from a deep apathetic state to building a six-figure coaching company over the last few years and becoming personally revitalized. And I believe this is all available to you too. So check it out, johnchisholm.com. I hope to help you find your best life in this next year. So back to the show, our final this year and for this season, I plan to be back in the new year with some more great episodes to help you find the best and make the world a better place uh, to be as long as you're hanging around here. I love this episode and hope you will too. So Merry Christmas or Merry whatever you celebrate and may 2023 be your best year yet. Thanks for listening in. And here's a fun episode to close out this year with a wonderful therapist, author, poet, and my dear friend and coffee buddy, Dr. Raymond Cressy. Oh well, everybody got Raymond, my friend Raymond Preston, in the studio today, and uh, I actually just texted you, did not, I, bro. Just like you're walking around the park somewhere, and I'm yeah,
1: like, nearby oh. at Thompson Station <laughs> Park, just minding my own business, trying to get a few you know laps in. Yeah, I'm I'm so lazy that yeah, you know, I'm I'm counting steps. I mean, I mean, hundreds of years from now, people are going to look back at us. And say, my gosh, they were so lazy, so sedentary. Yeah, exactly. They, they wore things on their wrist <laughs> to so, make they them, get so that they walk. could count how many steps <laughs> they, they made during the day. Yeah. And then you know gave themselves some little trophy or, or something if they got 5,000 or 10,000 right? steps so that they could then post that on something called Instagram. <laughs> how archaic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How archaic that civilization was, yeah. So I just jerked you right off of the lap track to come over and just hang out on the show today. Yeah. Appreciate the invite. So it's the twenty sixth of December, and when the show comes out, and it is the twenty sixth podcast in season one of all the best. It's good to have you. Thank you for just jumping in here. I, I was I was trying to like get all excited to do. A solo show, and I was going to recap some of the best shows of this first season, you being among them. I love all the shows, but some of them stand out as just more fun or entertaining, and yours definitely is. We laughed. We hardly got through that show. Yeah. We were laughing so much.
1: Did, uh, did we have that some meaningful, redeemable content? We did. That, did I we, mean, you were, like, really intent it. Did you on, edit that in?
0: Yeah, you were, you, yeah, I called somebody else and got some <laughs> content brought in for that. No, you you delivered some great content on relationships, like three bridges or three bridges some such, you know, thing about all that, which was great. But the fun part was just how we were just laughing our guts out. That <laughs> that was really what we liked to do. So uh, anyway, so it's the twenty sixth end of the year. We're all kind of like I don't know, reeling from this year. Personally, I've uh, our family has had two tragic losses. One as recently as yesterday, losing a dear, dear friend, 30 plus year friend. And and then earlier in the summer, a friend of ours just passing away, you know, in his sleep. So it's, it's it's been a hard year. I think about business up and downs. I think about our economy. I think about all the frightening things that are happening in the world. And I don't know, you hear a lot more about mental health. You as a mental health mm-hmm. professional. I mean, when you look back on this year, has there been a nuttier year?
1: Well, I remember thinking, all right, when 2020 is coming right. to an end, all right, let's, mm-hmm. gosh, is there is there ever been a more difficult year than 2020? And we said, oh, 2020, next year will be turning 21. A 20 right. year old turning 21. Ugh. What could possibly go wrong? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. But seriously, thinking, all right, gosh, that's, that, that, things have got to get better after that year. And there's some things that happen. Then there's things that, You just can't anticipate either in our our personal life, in our families, in our friendship circles, nationally. Mm -hmm. Just, you can't foresee. You can't. Unprecedented. Yeah. You only have to, you have to find a way to, after you feel like you got punched in the gut, to Mm -hmm. recover from Mm -hmm. that gut punch.
0: Like the word "unprecedented" just mm-hmm. was overused, but so apropos in so many ways, and I think that that leads us to you know the need for levity and that release. Of which I hope this this episode—no pressure, but this has got to be a funny episode. <laughs> it just has to be, or or I'm back to trying to like you know do a solo episode, and <laughs> well, you know when I think about. When I think about this year and and I think about what you were just saying, you know, trying to deal with all this, I look at the people that I've had on the show, starting with Katie. We're not going to romp through every episode Mm -hmm. here, but I love Katie Gustafson. I love what she stands for, the Enneagram. She works a lot with women. She has really, I mean, to me, she embodies so much of her generation's best, the Mm -hmm. best of her generation in her 30s-ish, and uh, just a powerful presenter. So, you guys, if you're listening and you've not gone back to episode number two with Katie, you know, go ahead and check that out. And she talks about the Enneagram. She's an Enneagram wisdom expert. wisdom beyond
1: her years. And one of the things I like about someone like her is you know, there's an honesty about her mm-hmm. story and journey. I mean, she's not parading her scars, but there's an authenticity of here's, here's my story, here's mm-hmm. my journey, here's... What I've learned from being able to to redeem that and In to, beating to, breast to, cancer, to, yeah, to be able to then help others, bless others, and not just people who have experienced breast cancer. That's one of the reasons I like Frederick Beekner, who we lost mm-hmm. this, this past year. In the beginning of his autobiography, he says one of the main reasons I'm telling my story is that I'm convinced the story of any one of us. Is to some degree the story of us all hmm. that there's something in when we share our stories with one another. We don't have to have gone through the same. They don't have to have gone through the same. Through, but there's something that they connect with, something that they resonate right. with, that helps someone feel less alone, more more understood, a little less. Well, I I thought I'm I thought I was crazy, but. Uh, Now I'm feeling less, less so. But all that then gives folks a greater sense of hope. Because Mm -hmm. the person who was probably sharing that story, in essence, they've lived to tell about. Mm -hmm. So there's, without coming out and saying it, there's saying, in essence, there's hope for you. Exactly. I I lived through my my, my darkest Mm -hmm. day. Yeah. uh, One of my darkest days. And... Gosh, any, anyone listening to this, you're a survivor. I don't know what you've had to survive, but you're a survivor mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. You, you are listening not just because of something or because, I like to say, always mindful to be grateful, and they say a turtle who finds itself on the top of a fence post knows that he didn't get there without some help. <laughs> I don't know why a turtle would be on a but fence post. how does post. he get but down? Nevertheless. Oh, yeah. man. Now yeah. I'm worried about the turtle. But, but that, okay, I, I'm not where I am without having blessed and helped. Yeah. Away. But also, I am not where I am just existing. I have survived and overcome. Some stuff. another day and we find
0: ourselves in their stories right. we see ourselves and another episode that i loved i don't know if you got to hear this one was the actually the third episode with jim trick who lives up in the northeast but jim was morbidly obese at over 430 pounds lost it and then gained it back and then lost it again and anybody out there, you know, who deals with weight issues, really should listen to yeah. Jim's episode. He's become a motivational speaker and has kind of a different way to approach change. And we're swimming in change this year. I mean, just and maybe every year we're just more aware of it, but definitely it it it's the the change, the change de jour. Like you know what what's going to change today? What's going to happen? In the world, in our work, in our schools, in our own lives and families, you know, what's going to happen? And part of my desire in in really even doing this show was to help people cope with whatever they were facing, as you were just saying. You know, we're all survivors to one degree or the other. We all have trauma, whether it's big T or little t. Mm-hmm. We're all facing the world through the lens of our own pain, fear, guilt, shame, grief lots of grief just you know flooding the world and i wanted this episode to be funny and here we are going really deep but <laughs> maybe we should start talking about the lawns again or the... but but my hope in even having this show was to have a broader conversation a lot of people are pretty much over whatever religion you know was going on and talk about change since 2020 and the entire exodus from you know church and and of course we were forced out you know because of of disease right. floating around right. in the atmosphere covid but man we're we're in a very different position these days a lot more divided we've become more tribal and a lot of the 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 people that i listen to are really projecting even more tribalism as we go you know in the music world but also in 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 every aspect of our lives, it's like we're becoming more divided, and polarized. And I'm
1: seeing this. The, the, I find the paradox. I see this polarization with a large group of people who are re- reevaluating you know, politically, spiritually, mm-hmm. doctrinally, ch- churches, yeah, yeah, church I've been a part of character. Uh, History can be a, a scary thing when something has been a part of your mm. your tradition. Then it's a part of your identity, who you are. And yeah. now you're asking your yourself some questions that you know your leaders would be uncomfortable. You're not, not feeling really comfortable with the questions yourself, yourself yeah. but they don't seem to go away. I'm I'm meeting a number of folks describe yeah re-reassessing mm-hmm. not so much whether they they believe or not but trying to find a tribe
0: yeah so, what does belief look like uh, now but but my hope in this show is to to give us a safe space to talk about other perspectives and things that aren't maybe as deeply churchified you know as as we've been perhaps and i think that that's a reflection of our culture and my desire is to have a broader conversation about things. And I've had a lot of people on the show that really are either agnostic or atheist or they don't come from the same kind of religious, you know, world that I have mm-hmm. over my years. It's really been fun to tell you the truth. I mean, right. John Moyer is a lovely guy. He is actually a world renowned hypnotist. Did you get to hear that one?
1: Yeah. You need a list of was We were kind of dist- well, actually, you know, I, I did listen to it mm-hmm. and I, Found myself raking leaves on my roof and <laughs> doing some some other other really strange. Uh, things exactly, that I mean, apparently suggested subliminally. I I made my uh, insurance agent and attorney to actually like to, have been involved uh, in you.
0: this. Yeah. Well, you know what? I made him promise at the beginning of that show he wasn't going to turn me into a chicken, <laughs> and uh, by the end of it, I had to start clucking just <laughs> just for
1: a little bit of fun, but.
0: He's a lovely guy, you know, and, and comes from a whole different kind of perspective with that. But we, we had a great conversation around the subconscious mind and how to reprogram that for the kind of life, you know, that you want. You being a mental health expert and having been a marriage and family counselor for many, many years, I bet there are a lot of subconsciouses you've dealt with you wish you
1: could reprogram. One of my superpowers as is, is being able to keep a straight face. And oftentimes in couples therapy, I'm doing an individual session, each partner separately. And so I was asking this person they've been been married before, how they a little bit of you know background history, a little bit, tell me about that marriage, you know, divorce that may you know have some impact in this current relationship that you're seeking counseling for. And so I asked, which I frequently do, I, I you know, the writer in me loves stories, and I love to ask couples how they met. So I asked him, "How how did you meet your second wife? And he said, she was the attending nurse during my colonoscopy. <laughs> and that's funny just right there yeah i'm I am seldom I mean you know me, I'm seldom at a loss for words you know again second But you get that visual and yeah, I, like well, and it's you're, all you're, over right you're you're, you're <laughs> trying to you know you're trying to tell your imagination, no, don't don't go there, <laughs> don't come back, come back, no, like like a fishing reeling it so again but my superpower being able to keep a straight face i'm just I'm just nodding, and there's a part of me that wants to ask. How does that happen? Close <laughs> to, during, or following <laughs> anesthesia for that kind of exactly, procedure? exactly. But the other part of me prevailed that thought, no, I don't want to know, <laughs> and so I didn't ask, and we moved, moved re, right we on. Moved on. Oh my But gosh. Yeah, you, I've been a couples therapist for thirty plus years, and I keep thinking, all right, by now I've I've heard everything. Again, particularly because I, I do. I like to ask couples how they how they meet. And by now, I think I've heard everything. I I I had not, uh, thankfully, heard that
0: before. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of stupid things I've said when I've been up preaching. Right. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. And I'll tell one. <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be a little on the edge for some people. But I was up preaching one time and I was talking about the love relationship that we have you know, with God, you know, Mm -hmm. and the intimacy that is, you know, really important to have. And I said, you know, guys, it's like, you know, you're, you're out on a date night with your sweetie and, and, you know, you're kind of like snuggling up and a little something just starts to rise up. And I could tell people were like elbowing each other and suddenly it's like, okay, you have about a nanosecond (laughs) before you're either going to just burst out laughing or you just got to go, keep going Uh and. Oh, by God's grace, I kept going. But it, it was a funny moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But <sighs> yeah, if we could do a collection of bloopers and things mm-hmm. that have gone wrong in, in weddings and and funerals, yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to laugh during or about funerals. But I mean, when you, I mean, you've been on staff since when you get nervous people together uh, and pastors can be nervous or get real relaxed. Yeah during yeah. preaching or nervous people during weddings or funerals. The, the very first wedding I ever performed, I've, I've officiated over a over hundred weddings. The very first wedding I ever performed, the words, you may be seated, never came from my mouth. <laughs> I, I didn't write it on my program. At the end of the ceremony, I was, I was feeling pretty good. I thought, yeah, I was nervous, but I think I nailed this. And at the end of the recession with the soloists, walks up and says, I can't believe you didn't let him sit. <laughs> And it's the first time it occurred to me. I mean, we're talking, this is First Baptist Church, West Palm Beach. It's a large church, nice, comfortable. They views. never sat. The people didn't know they were comfortable. They never got to sit. And yeah, I was oblivious to. Oh, my God.
0: Well, you shared a couple of poems on your episode, number eight in All the Best, mm-hmm. season one. Some wonderful, two poignant poems I loved. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to read from the same book, Voice Lessons.
1: This, you know, as we're talking about being reflective mm-hmm. on, on the year and our, our lives, this is, instead of midlife crisis, this is titled Midlife Chrysalis. I'm looking at this cover of The New Yorker, an artist rendering of a pigtailed youngster gazing out the back window of a pale sedan, laden with vacation gear on the roof rack. In the upper right-hand corner in Bookman font is July 26, 2010. And it strikes me that the year itself looks like a futuristic space-age number quoted in a black-and-white sci-fi flick or a Saturday morning cartoon when I sat alone in the floor of our brick ranch on Rushland Drive, a bowl of Cocoa Krispies just a few feet away from the Magnavox which stood completely still for most of my childhood on four spindly legs. It never moved from its centered spot on the paneled west wall of our living room under the clock that has never been replaced, and if the hands of an old timepiece can hold everything else still around it, or at least slow down and the traffic around it, but it can't. The wild frontier date in the upper right-hand corner tells me I'm 50 years old, and that seems impossible. I'm still being formed, still taking shape, with too many unfinished parts to be born prematurely into midlife. But maybe, maybe it takes becoming a half century to realize you're becoming a whole person that no thing, no person, no place, or experience, no achievement need be added to make you complete. And while you continue to grow, you discover that everything you need to flower is already present in your stem. Hmm.
0: So good. Well, I guess the question I have is that you remember eating cocoa puffs?
1: Black and white TV, three, three, three channels. Yeah, yeah. I've I've tried to explain to my sons how you know when I was a kid, the TV there were t- TV ended at midnight when the test pattern. And I've right, what's that? Tried to describe, explain test pattern. Yeah, there weren't three hundred channels and nothing. Like the, the world ceased to exist. No remote. There was nothing. The world mm. ceased to exist after. That. Mm.
0: You had to get up from your chair, walk over to the set, and flip the little crank, the dial, you know. Yeah,
1: and if that eventually ours, like that was plastic broke. Right. Oh, yeah. So you'd. Pliers. It with a pair of pliers. Pliers, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Again, what a great year this has been. Speaking of heroes, I've met some of my heroes this year through this podcast. One of them is Steve Chandler, Mm -hmm. who's written like, I don't know, 50 different books. One of my favorite is called Reinventing Yourself. And I got into the 20th anniversary edition maybe three or four years ago. So the book is phenomenal. Reinventing Yourself. Reinventing Yourself, because he's talking about the neuroplasticity of our brain and that we we grow up kind of basically settling on an eighth grade personality, whatever we had, you know, in, in grade school, middle school, and the things we carry throughout our lives are really kind of set by then. And he's arguing the point saying, no, you can reinvent yourself. You can change things about your life that you're not happy with, you can figure out some ways to be a better person. Don't be such a jerk. Or the things that constantly are nagging at you. The limiting. Limiting. Oh, the, the, definitely. The
1: ceilings that we create for ourselves.
0: Great word for it. So I loved meeting Steve. He didn't disappoint me either. We talked a lot about that book and some of his other books that have really influenced me and kind of opened me up to greater change, good change, Mm -hmm. you know, change isn't always negative, but it can, it can be hard, whether it's positive or negative. But his was one of the first books that kind of helped me see that I don't really have to be stuck with this crap. And I can feel better. I can, I can change. I can have a a less limiting mindset. And that's been a big key for me. You, You and I, you and I know each other pretty well after a few years of friendship and, and some some therapy therapy. Mm-hmm. My my late mamma, she would say therapy and burst certificate. <laughs> Winder. Winder. Uh, Winder mm-hmm. That was another one. May she rest in peace. But, you know, therapy uh, therapy's a good thing for you, but you know, we know each other pretty well and life life can just suck sometimes. And I've discovered, Raymond, that I was the one causing most of those problems. You know, a lot of self-inflicted wounds that, you know, a, a sense of victimization, you know, apathy from life changes that turned out to be pretty good ones overall. But I would just put such a negative spin on them. and uh, I don't know, I I loved meeting Steve because I've just looked up to the way he presented the fact that I, I don't have to do that, you know.
1: I like to say sometimes refer to it as- the clay is still wet Mm. gosh i'm glad to hear that we're you know that the the clay the cement isn't you know hard by eighth grade because the guy that i knew me in the eighth eighth grade gosh you couldn't pay me enough to go through middle school oh my gosh i know and uh, yeah we we, psychologists sometimes refer to as we we have a we have a degree of a set point. Some say as, as much as like a 60% point as like, say, you know, parts of our personality, some skill sets. We need to accept there's some things that are somewhat established. And so, you know, we, we like to say, you know, in, in America, you can become anything you you, you want to become. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. Dory and I do this this workout DVD, and the trainer likes to say, come on can do anything for 60 (laughs) seconds and i'm going no no i can't no i can't just anything for 60 (laughs) seconds yeah the time frame sounds reasonable but we have physical emotional Mm. we have all kind of limitations but that what the the theorists were saying if we have a 60 percent set point that leaves 40 percent where we have influence and you've heard me say before control is an illusion we don't have control but we have influence you never have control but you always have influence mm. and so to say I'm I'm stuck seeing getting getting stuck really in a, in a victim mindset and you know the the only person in particularly, you know the couples therapist I I often say you know you, you have you do have some influence on your partner, but the only person that you ultimately can change is. is so, you. Yeah. And when I have two people, I know this is taking a detour in a couple's work, but when I have two people who will own that, instead of trying to change my partner, can reasonable and meaningful adjustments mm. that can I make when two people do that, you know keep your side of the street clean. When two people do that, that's when we see Mm. Uh, taking that out of couples' work to to, to, to you know, what what reasonable and meaningful adjustments can I make that would make a difference yeah. in my life? Well?
0: I think one of the things that I've come to realize in my life, and I referred to it earlier, is that, that victim mentality and really gaining an education over these last five, six, seven years when I was plunged into hardship a lot on my own, from my own fault, but wound up really trying to reinvent myself. And over these last seven years, I really had to come face to face with the fact that I was looking for someone or something else to complete me. And I know then couples therapy, you probably run into this every single session, because it's just ingrained in us that there is a perfect person out there that's going to fulfill us. It's our other half. It's that other person. And that really does apply to every area of our lives. And I realized that that professionally, I was clinging to a platform personality that I had developed over a lot of years, had become a professional Christian in a lot of ways, being in the Music business and on church platforms, and the speaking and the singing and that identity was mine. It was who I was, it was how I identified and showed up in the world and when that came to a screeching halt, you know it's like I didn't know who I was anymore I
1: was going to say it's not just well, what do I do now comes um, so who who am I who am I now? yeah now why 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 do I matter? Why will I matter to to other people if I'm not doing this, not known for?
0: Right. And I know I'm far from the only person who's ever done that. But I think that it was shocking to me when I, I started kind of uncovering this very large pile of evidence that I was really looking for other people to tell me who I was. You know, it's like the. Being so codependent that I wake up in the morning and the first person I see is like, hey, good morning, Raymond. How am I today? Mm -hmm. You know, and realizing that I was was making a victim of myself by not taking that inner responsibility. And back to Steve Chandler for a moment. I mean, that that was a lot of that book and a lot of the other books I've read have really helped change my perspective and realize that I ultimately really don't need anybody else's approval. I think I still, you know, go up and down on that meter as far as... (laughs) Well, well, I, it, but... I like
1: to say it's it's okay to enjoy it, but we it. Need do I, it yeah. yeah, do I do I depend on it? Require mm-hmm. it to be to be okay? I sometimes talk about the difference between you know, a wish that's unfulfilled versus a need that's met. A wish that isn't met, you know, creates a all right. That's disappointing. It's okay to be mm-hmm. disappointing, d- disappointed. That's a legitimate feel. If if I make something, if I push it from a wish or a hope to I make it a, a need, then if I don't achieve that, don't experience that, don't get that, then I, basically I've got one two 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 places to go, either despair or resentment. Because I've made this now, I've made achieving this, experience this, Getting, getting this. A, a requirement a prerequisite mm-hmm. to feel okay about myself or to be approved by others. And instead of just disappointment, it's yeah. two places to go: despair. You know, what, 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 what meaning, purpose does life have mm-hmm. now? Or resentment. And usually, when it goes to resentment, I'm holding. Someone responsible for why I didn't yeah, care. so right. the the despair, the self defeat. I'm probably you know pointing at myself as you know I'm such a failure. I'm, the resentment is I'm feeling that toward yeah know, someone else. So I I can I can feel a victim and immobilized mm. in in one of those two ways.
0: right. I'll I'll do a little shout out to my friend Dean. Up in the Detroit area, but I was, he and I meet every week and and chat and talk about books we're reading and we it's just a great, great friendship. But he said something I wrote down in my notebook a a few weeks ago. And he said, the ego wants to make me the hero or the victim. So either one, Mm -hmm. it's happy if it can make me the hero and I can feel great about myself or the victim and feel crappy about myself. You know, and I see that in my life where I flip-flopped between those things. And it wasn't until I really hit a bottom, you know, a a low, you know, point that I had to come face to face with the fact that I'm doing this. I'm the one. It's me. (laughs) It's me. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of psychotic treatment or something. (laughs) But it's like, why, you know, I, I was ruining things in my life out of the need to either be a hero or a victim right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of self-sabotage and just that flip-flopping thing between the hero and the victim can just wear you out. And I met another hero, speaking of heroes, this year, William Paul Young, who wrote mm, The Shack, wow. God, uh, was sitting in the very chair. I don't know if you feel a sense of tingling and power there I'm in that chair. I'm surprised you let but... me sit up.
1: <laughs>
0: I haven't dusted it since, <laughs> but great show, just kind of Wow, I, I was just blown away with Paul. And his book is, in many languages, it's sold. It continues to sell, what, 20 years later or whatever it is. You know, twenty over 20 million copies. You know, you're an author. You'd you'd give a body part yeah. probably for 20 million yeah, copies yeah, sold. Yeah.
1: And the thing about Paul, because he has his friends with folks like Wes Yoder, who you've mm-hmm. who, met. Dear friend. That it's, and this is a good example continuing to, to grow and reinvent yourself. I mean, he's, he still has tremendous opportunities based on that book. He's not someone who is just coasting.
0: No, the, not at all.
1: I mean, there's a number of places where he gets to speak and things that he gets to speak about that, again, that that book has created a platform mm-hmm. for him, but that he's continued to, to grow. You, you mentioned that, you know, Hero... Donald Miller hero on a mission
0: Joseph Campbell hero's journey yeah, that
1: that not being not not being a victim mm-hmm. and yeah Don and he's very the, the most transparent that I've heard him be in a, in a book and that he was well known for writing blue light jazz
0: Great book man and,
1: and then you know reached a point where I I know that's what people expect why aren't you giving us more books like that? Well, he'd gone undergone sort of a you know a personal transformation, not rejecting that part of his story, but that's not everything about who who I am. Right, I have right. continued to 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 grow.
0: It was like the acid rocker becoming a CEO. It was a <laughs> what a transformation, <laughs> right, right. you know? Because I love blue like jazz, and we all kind of identified with the victim that he was kind of portraying himself mm-hmm. as in that book. And then, and it was so brilliantly written. It was oh, so funny true. and fun. And then what you, you're you doing this books now you're like teaching us how to be entrepreneurs and you know, the story brand, I, I'm big shout out to Donald. I'd love to have him on the show sometime. I, I've, I've built my websites based on his philosophy. <laughs> yes. Kudos, but yeah, what a transformation from the victim. Wow, so many great shows this year, and and so if you're out there listening, I mean, Frank King, who used to write for The Tonight Show, lived with suicidal ideation and still does, and mm-hmm. the name of his episode is I Could Always Kill Myself, and he's a <laughs> motivational speaker. He talks about suicide prevention. Ben Currier, who he, he bills himself as the failure guy, and that's a pretty fun episode, mm-hmm. you know, a, a little tongue-in-cheek. And then David Hampton, who's a great friend here in the Nashville area, who became pretty severe alcoholic as he was losing his wife to MS. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've known David for uh, 30 years, and he's now an addiction coach and here in the area and doing a fantastic job. It's a fantastic episode. And my friend Tommy Breedlove, you and Tommy are the only two people that I've had on the show twice. And Tommy is the creator of the Legendary Movement. He's down from the Atlanta area. Great, great story. It just released last week, had a a new episode come out with Tommy, and we talked a lot about his book, Legendary. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we should talk about some of your books here. We've You've already been reading from voice lessons, your your book of poetry? Do you have more than one? You've got two books of poetry, don't you? Now that's just that one.
1: Been writing poetry since I was. That's what I, you know, started started writing and had an opportunity. Stella Sue Lee, who's a twice nominated Pulitzer poet, yes, moved right here into Spring Hill from California a couple of years ago. Long story short, we we connected and she, mentored, me, coached me weekly. Mm. And uh, that's amazing. I thought I'd, I really thought I had lost my poetic voice and was, you know, writing articles and newspaper columns and, and books, so, you know, just m- moved into prose and thought, okay, well, I guess that was, you know, the poetry was for, for a season. And yeah, that reignited interest. And plus, I, I described it as, and this is one of the things you know, I encourage people. Getting, getting a mentor, coach is Andy Stanley said. You may be one of the best in the world at what you do, but you won't become as good as you could be mm. but without a coach.
0: Oh my gosh, that's a great.
1: I thought what i what I needed, I just needed time and focus to just generate more content. You know, I'll get better at writing, which is still this is still true. But when I met Stella Sue Lee. And started working with her. I described it as up until that time, I had been coloring with that basic box of eight crayons mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. you get—the first one you get—and and then as I was working with her, I felt like I had been given a box of sixty-four mm-hmm. crayons with wow. the with the sharpener in the back.
0: Oh, the just, sharpener, man! Oh, yeah. But just that was the how, best. how
1: much more that I could do that I, I didn't even know was you know, mm. possible not 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 so much from a talent standpoint but just different different types different styles different approaches to, to poetry because mm. I was you know I was continuing to to replicate you know what I what I knew.
0: Writing the same poem yeah, over and so over was again. So I using yeah. the
1: same eight crayons, mm-hmm. same basic colors.
0: Mm-hmm. So the power of coaching and mentoring to expand your creativity, expand your mind, your motivation, your effectiveness. I, I'm a total geek about coaches, coaching. and well, you're a coach. I, that's why I'm a coach. And, you know, one of the things that I've been hoping to do with All the Best and this kind of venture, you know, I've been in the songwriting space for about 40 years. And what I've found, Raymond, is that the same things that I've used, the same principles and insights that I've always coached from with songwriters to open them up, expand their worlds, it applies really across the board. And one of the phenomena that I've seen over the last few years in my, my songwriting coaching is that people's lives have been changed, not just their songwriting, but because I was going through a lot of ex- expansion in my own mind getting out from under-limiting mindsets, getting some of the garbage taken out. And I was further along the road than they were so I could share things that had become effective for me. And it was revolutionary for them. Just absolutely revolutionized their relationships. And I don't want to overstate it, but I've had so many people tell me now that they not only look at their songwriting differently, they look at their whole lives differently. Mm-hmm. And so I know that coaching is... It, it's it's probably the most important element in my success. And I've had a string of coaches in business as mentors. I, I get mentored and coached all the time through the people I read, you know, like Steve Chandler and different people that we've mentioned today. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, mentors from afar. They
0: are, you know. And so for me, that's the most important thing that I can be about in my life right now is passing this. Not it's It's more than information. It's more than insight. It really is a uh, a, a posture in life, you know, where we can tap into innate creativity. I'll tell a real quick story as we begin to wrap this up. Yeah. This has been fun. It's been pretty divergent all <laughs> over the place, but, you know, one of the it's things like 64 and, uh, right.
1: colors. 64 I know, right? right? We've, yeah. We've been coloring with them all.
0: Absolutely. It hasn't been fun, you know, kind of a romp through a lot of different things, but. You know, I remember that when I was in in such a shut down place, I didn't re- I didn't know how to get myself unstuck. I didn't really know how to pull out any more colors and and in fact all of my colors had kind of faded to gray and just really in a deep dark place. It was so uncomfortable and so just just the bottom, you know, and I was clinging to the tiniest little thread Of hope, you know, that I could find somebody somewhere to rescue me. And it really wasn't until the day that whether it was God, an angel, my own mind, I was getting, going, going broke and getting fat and just depressed and, and, and despondent really out for a walk. And I heard a voice. Louder than anything audibly, and it said, You're not even being a good human. Mm. And that was my wake up call. And that was a moment that I started climbing out of the pit. And I did it by listening to amazing people, amazing podcasts, and reading amazing books, people like Steve Chandler, people, you know, on on and on. I could just name so many motivational people. And it was a different, it was really a different stream than my straight up. No offense to the Andy Stanleys or the straight-up evangelical people, but I just wasn't finding what I needed to change my mindset. You know, I mean, in Romans 12, Paul talked about renewing the mind, and I think I had become so steeped in my own brand of 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 professional Christianity as a, an on-stage musician, leader, speaker, traveling all over the world, that somehow... I'd gotten derailed. Does that make any sense mm-hmm. at all? You know.
1: Yeah. Well, and the image that's coming to mind is, you know, sort of a, a car battery that's just, yeah, like, you know, it won't quite turn over. And you were doing it through, you know, you you connecting, you know, writers and thought leaders be long long distance, mm-hmm. you know, many in yeah. person, but you. You connected, you didn't just connect to information, John. You connected to people. Exactly. And I, I remember writing once in my journal that, you know, if you, if, if sort of spiritually, emotionally, you know, you, you're sort of have, you have a dead battery. When we, in the car, when you have a dead battery, you you have to connect the mm. jumper, yeah, jumper cables right. to a car that has a live battery and some juice through it. I mean, I as an author, I I believe in power, words and 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 writing. But I also know God's. He hasn't wired us to to make a Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, whether it's counselors, coaches, mentors, spiritual, you know, spiritually, emotionally, creatively, professionally, whatever the avenue it that you feel like. My, my battery's drained or my battery.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: in terms of all right, I need to attach my jumper cables to someone who has some life. Mm-hmm. That's not and by the way, that's not codependency. That's the humility of I, I can't just I start, need help. Yeah. I can't jump start my own battery. Yeah. But logically you can't do that. Right, right. And I'm I'm going to have to reach out and connect with other people. And the thing is and you and I both experienced it, there are people who are glad to come alongside. And mm-hmm. oftentimes those people come alongside for a season. Right. Yeah. right. Maybe, maybe for, for weeks, months, years. But they come along for, for, for a season. Yeah. And they, they breathe life and energy mm-hmm. into us. And then then you're doing for, for one right. of the things that Don Miller and, and his book talks about. And it, you, you go from victim... Not saying stuck as a victim. When he uses the word hero, he's not not like Superman. It's another word for hero would be overcomer. Mm-hmm. But in stories, you'll almost always see a victim, a hero, and a guide. A hero has a guide, and then the the hero, the overcomer, then becomes a. Guide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's you know you have mm-hmm. a, you didn't stay in a victim. Place and you've been through some hurt. You invited God sent some folks alongside to to, to be a guide that enabled you to become a hero and an Mm. overcomer. And you are now being a hero. You are being a guy that enables other people to be overcomers. And like you said, Mm. it starts. It seems to be in a songwriting context. But when you're coming alongside the people in a, in a meaningful way, it seldom gets compartmentalized exactly. To, yeah, to just that area. No, it, totally it right. Feeling, feeling supported, encouraged with a measure of accountability is, is transformed.
0: And, and learning how to look at things differently, it more creatively, more resourcefully. Because that's what I realized. One of the things I realized when I was at my low, lowest point is that I had stopped resourcing myself. And I was just waiting for somebody to come save me. And the first time I heard someone say, you know, no one's coming to save you. You know, when I when I started hearing these motivational people say that, I'm like, well, no, wait a minute. Jesus came to save me, you know, but Jesus wasn't fixing what was wrong in my head. I'm sure he wanted to. And I believe that's why he sent me these wonderful motivational people, you know, that a lot of my pet. Christian religious answers they weren't doing it and I'm not saying they're not true right but the way I was applying or not applying them to my life wasn't helping me live an abundant victorious life no matter what and so I had to I had to just work on myself and realize hey I've been playing the victim here I've been playing the egotistical hero and and this has got to change or I just can't, I can't do this. Or I'll stay stuck right here. I'll oh, stay stuck, right yeah. Here. And the fruit of that is just no good. So a lot, I thank you, you know, for bringing up the coaching thing, because that really is my heart, is to come alongside people, not just songwriters, right. but come along just, you know, people who are non-musical or not even remotely interested in that, but who find themselves stuck, who find themselves in a place of real darkness yeah. and real Maybe transition as I found myself in and looking for some life preservers to mm-hmm. be thrown out. But I, I'm I'm a thousand percent into that, and and really it comes down to cur- the courage to embrace change, the courage to let go of the things you have clung to, the things that have shut down your heart, the things that have shut down your mind, the things that have are shutting down your relationships, the things that are causing estrangement and separation and, and letting go of those things to embrace truth and change right. and to even go deeper, which kind of reminds me, did you have, were you going to give us a little yeah. New Year's exhortation sure. as we kind of sure. bring this to
1: I yeah, you know, was talking before we you know, started hitting record, and I shared with you that I, I heard someone at church this morning just make some reference to going deeper. And that reminded me of this passage in Luke where Jesus caused the disciples to inconvenience themselves and to move out into deeper water. If I could, I'll just read this. It's a short passage. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deep and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch anything. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other and soon boats were filled with fish on on the on the verge of sinking. Yeah, you know, I, I said to you before we came on the air, it occurred to me you know, if if Jesus wanted to bless them and, you know, they'd had this frustrating evening, of, you know, fishing all night and not catching anything. And, I mean, he could have fish jump in the boat. He mm-hmm. could have said, all right, you know, you were fishing on this side of the boat, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And instead, he asked them. It's an invitation. It's not a, not a requirement. It says, you know, pu- pu- "basically, pull up the anchor, move out into deeper water, and cast your nets." But again, it doesn't sound like that big a deal, but they washed the nets. It's like you know, if you're a musician, did a concert, we've packed up all we packed up all the equipment. We've got everything in the van, and Jesus is saying. Get everything out Get it all back out, put it all, yeah. b- b- all back out why for an empty arena like the the that one that we just did didn't go so mm. well, so it's it's a it's a hassle, but again it that and I don't want to make too much of the symbolism of deeper water, but it was to experience that blessing to experience that and for you know listeners whether that is something emotional health spiritual growth something creative create creatively uh, professionally it's going to be hard to stay where you are and experience something more and I, I guess I'm hesitant because I don't want to sound that, like that is prosperity or or just or just achievement but a sense of is is there something more, there's something missing, and I'm not suggesting that people live as a malcontent, but those folks listening have that sense of, I can't put my finger on it, or I do have an idea of there's something more that I want to experience or, or achieve, and it's going to mean, and when I say movement, by the way, I don't mean a, a relocation, by the way. Okay, well, it means you got to move to another city, but it's going to require inconvenience. It's going to require some movement. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking too that I, you know, this time of year, I hear people use the word resolution. And I said to you, I'm not a resolution person. I make some some goals. And that, you know, how my mind works. One word reminds me of another one. And I find sort of the etymology of words fascinating. Resolution reminded me of revolution. And it occurred to me that there are two completely different meanings of the word revolution. One meaning of revolution is, it's going around in circles. RPM means revolutions per minute, right? Mm. So, whether it's a tire or record player. A revolution means, it's just going around a circle in the same place. Another, it's a very different meaning of the word to say a revolution, which suggests tremendous change. Something's moving forward. And so maybe I'm leaving listeners with the question of as you're moving into this next year, again, it's not about resolutions, but what kind of revolution would you like to see from this Mm. coming year? And what are some things? What would that movement in an area that is meaningful to to me? What would, Mm. what would, revolution in that sense of forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's just realizing, hey, it doesn't really have to be this way. If I only have 40% influence, well, let's use it. Right. You know, that's nothing. And even one small interruption to the pattern of the the endless looping of that revolution round and round and round, you know, instead of staying stuck, even a tiny little adjustment, a tiny little mindset shift, one phone call, reaching out to a friend or going to a 12-step meeting or, you know, telling someone, anybody, you know, that you're having an issue that you can't handle any longer. And getting a coach, getting a therapist, therapist, getting somebody to, you know, to jump into that loop with you can...
1: Attach those jumper cables. Yeah. Yeah, 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 to, yeah. to, to, To someone.
0: Yeah. Well, Raymond, this has been so much fun and divergent fun, <laughs> but kind of a romping through. But I I was kind of hoping to capture a little bit of the flavor of what this year has been like for All the Best and for what we've been doing. And, and for me, this show and having you and the other guest on has really been an opportunity to, to try to give back and to say, okay... I have overcome some pretty big, messy stuff, lived to tell about it, created a a global coaching business that seven years, we're still here. It's still growing. It's still fantastic. And I did that when I was at one of my lowest ebbs ever. And so, you know, I I hope that that you guys listening had a few thousand people kind of jump on the all the best bandwagon this year. And if you're struggling, you know, go back through some of these episodes, reach out. You know, I'm here if you want to talk about what coaching might be. Raymond is a fantastic marriage and family therapist here in the area. Do you do any Zoom meetings? Do you do long-distance stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, well, Particularly when people are out of town, out of, out of state. Gotcha. Well, we'll we'll put your uh, all
0: your information in the show notes, and so people can reach out to you. But but my heart, you know, is that that you guys listening will will just wake up to the fact that it doesn't have to be miserable. It doesn't have to be the way it is in your life, and we do have some measure of influence. And it all starts with that one decision, so that we can find all the best.
1: You know, I if I could, we're gonna. Who, who's going to say the last thing? But as you're saying that again, <laughs> to me, th- this thing of connecting with people—I I love the show Ted Lasso. Mm, and so good. this the this, this, this scene where you know they've lost because you and I—we're actually recording this, uh, and Argentina beat France in the World Cup a uh-huh. couple hours ago. Yeah. So this is also on my mind. But in the in the show, Ted Lasso's team loses. Portent. Game, so now they're now they're out of the playoffs, and so they're in the locker room, and they're and they're sad. And he says to them, in essence, hey, guys, I I know this hurts, I know you're sad. I'm not going to try to talk you out of being being sad, but he said, I want I'm here to tell you that there is there's something worse than being sad, and that's being sad and alone. And there ain't nobody in this locker room that's alone. And so whatever you're going through and I'm I I'm an only child raised by a single mom. I, I am inherently self-sufficient and and one of the things that has delayed me getting healthy and has delayed me I think being more effective and successful than I could be is thinking I had to figure it out. I'll 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 figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll do it instead of asking, whether it's a, a group or friend, rather than instead of asking for help, because there is something worse than being sad, or being hurt. It's being sad, hurt, and angry, whatever it is, all those things, and alone. I have to be alone.
0: Hmm. Well, We've had the words of Jesus. Now we have the words of Ted
1: Lasso. The gospel according to Ted.
0: <laughs> and a mighty fine one it is. Raymond Presson, thanks for being here on the show. Happy New Year. Thanks for hanging out with me today on All the Best. If you like the show, be sure to share it out with your family and friends on your social media and drop me a line at john at I would love to hear from you. I also want to invite you to jump over to my site right now to sign up for my free free 31-day motivational email series is designed to help you go for all the best in life. If you're needing some real change, fresh motivation and inspiration, this could be just the thing to get you going. You can find it at johnchisholm.com.